So, okay. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome back, as always, to the We Wish You Wealth podcast. Um, as you can see, we have the usual suspects: myself, Danny Summer, Miss Ruby Ramos, and Mr. Gordon Chavez. But today we are so excited and pleased to announce that we have our special guest, Miss Pam Ferguson, joining us. Um, and we are elated because, you know, most of the time we come on here and talk about life insurance and strategies and why people need life insurance. However, considering it is December, we are approaching everybody's favorite season, which is tax season. <laughs> so we decided to bring our you know, trusted friend, colleague, associate, um, Pam on, who's been in the industry. She is a tax advisor. She's been in the industry for 21 years. She also does insurance with us. Um, she's a mom. She's going to be a grandma. Congratulations. I forgot that information about you. Um, and she's married to a veteran who served our country. I did not also know this information, but she has an ebook on Amazon about tax strategies. So now that Pam has been introduced slightly by myself, Pam, why don't you give us a little bit more background? Tell us who you are, where you're from, all the good details, because I'm like I said, so excited about the information that you're going to be able to provide not only to us, but to our viewers. Um, so just, you know, take the mic, girl. We want to know who you are. <laughs> Hi, Danny, Gordon and Ruby, um, the We Wish You Wealth team. I'm so excited to be here. And thank you for having me on today. I really do appreciate um, you guys giving me that opportunity and just taking this moment about an hour of everyone's day to just have a very candid conversation. Uh, as Danny stated, my name is Pamela Ferguson here out of Dallas, Texas. I've lived here my entire life. Um, I'm married with children with my grandchild soon to be here in March. I'm excited about that. Um, but just to get into my uh, history and experience, I've been in the tax and insurance industry for 21 years now. Um, and uh, when I started out, uh, I kind of people always asked me about how how I was in both fields for the same amount of years. And the thing is, when I started out, I started out very blindly. I didn't know anything about taxes and, of course, didn't know anything about insurance, but there was a death benefit attached to it. So um, once I got started, I literally was um, reading an email that we were going to get laid off at work. And I decided that at that moment that I was going to start a tax office because of people that I knew that were already in the industry. So um, what I did was got out and I did a lot of reading, research and just opened the doors and someone mentored me. Uh, fast forward over the years, what I began to see was my community um, was missing out. They, back then, I don't know if you guys remember, but we used to get those instant refund checks. They used to call them RAL, uh, Refund Anticipated Loan, I think is what it stands for. And you could go into a tax office, get your taxes filed, and you got a check in within an hour. Um, and so for me, what stood out was people were running to get those checks and they were losing a lot of money because those that money, that quick money cost a lot. But because it was a huge refund, people people missed it. 
And so I met a lady who um, came to my office and she said, you're always, do you realize you're in everyone's business? And I'm like, what are you talking about? And she said, well, you see everything, you know, everything about people uh, when they come in you to file your taxes, why aren't you in insurance? And so she gave me two weeks to pass that exam. And uh, she's like, you know, I understand that you have to run your office, but I'm gonna give you two weeks and uh, I'm gonna give you uh, one piece of advice. And she said, go and get your license because you can literally write your own check. And that stuck with me. She said, get your license, never let it expire. So if I'm perfectly honest, honest with everyone here, when I got that license, I never let it expire. But there were years in between my 21 years that I didn't even use the license. But when I was on my lowest level in life, I used my license. So she was definitely telling the truth when she said that. Um, and I don't even, I wasn't even planning to share that guys, but I decided wow. something told me someone needed to hear it. So I shared that story. Um, but you know, that's just a, that's a little bit about me and how I got started. I've stuck with it for, of course, 21 years. Um, and I'm excited about it. I'm still learning today. And, um, I just, you know, I just look forward every year to all the changes to teaching people and to even experience um, my own, you know, um, uh, advice or recommendations to people. So whatever I tell people, you better believe I'm looking at doing it myself as well. Awesome. Thank you wow. so much. <laughs> I did not know that story. I didn't know. <laughs> I know. Me too. I'm so happy you shared that with us. <laughs> I'm going to have to get on both sides of the fence now. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Considering that the season is approaching, I mean, it seems as though either, you know, people who understand taxes potentially think about them more than people who like don't understand taxes. And most of the people only think about taxes when it's tax season. Um, but otherwise, it's something that's kind of like swept under the rug. So mm -hmm. Um, or, you know, because it can be, you know, an overwhelming concept that may be hard to understand. Um, you know, there's questions that, that people may have, but they don't know how to ask. Mm -hmm. Um, so we're going to kind of segue into a little Q and A and, you know, we're going to obviously be educated, obviously, as I said, hope to educate other people. Um, so I guess let's start with Gordon. I, what kind of questions do you think that people have um, when it comes to, you know, taxes or tax strategies or all of that stuff? Yeah, and it's a great subject. And Pam, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. So we'll keep it simple with the first question. The first question is, what's the difference between tax credits and tax deductions? Um, well, that is a very good question, because if you pay attention to social media um, after today, you'll understand that a lot of people don't understand it. Um, so, uh, you know, you'll hear people use pretty much credits for everything. So um, I'm really happy that you asked that question, because now uh, with the knowledge of knowing the difference, you could actually look at your life for 2024 and determine this will fall under tax strategies, which we'll discuss later. But your tax credit is something that's going to reduce your tax liability or what you owe. Okay, so 
it's it's like a dollar for dollar um, reduction on on what you owe uh, on the tax return. Or you'll hear me say liability. When I say liability, I'm talking about what's due when you file your tax return. Um, a credit, it's it's so. Let's just give an example of a thousand dollars. If I say you have a thousand dollar tax credit, that's going to lower your tax bill by a thousand dollars. Okay, so if you owe a thousand dollars and after the fact we say, oh, we found a credit for a thousand dollars. Now we've lowered that bill to zero because we had a credit for a thousand dollars. A deduction, on the other hand, is going to deduct from your income, which is subject to taxes, the taxable income. So mm -hmm. if you have a tax deduction of a thousand, it's going to deduct. If you made thirty thousand and you got a deduction for for one thousand, then it will deduct that um, to twenty nine thousand. So instead of you having to pay taxes on thirty thousand, you're only going to pay taxes on twenty nine thousand. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's awesome. So yeah, for example, so a credit. Um, and then you'll hear them say uh, a refundable credit or non-refundable credit. So there's an example where you can get a credit for school, those that are in college. If you don't, you can go to, you can go and file a tax return. If you attended school, say, you know, you have a first year college student, um, they go out. No, let's use a better example because I don't want to confuse anyone. Let's say an adult decided to go to school for the first time in their life. All right. And they don't have a job. They don't make any income, but they went to school, an accredited school. They can literally go and file a tax return with no income on it and get a what is called a refundable credit, which is your education credits. And they can actually get a check for whatever amount it calculates to, whatever that credit calculates to, they will get a check because that is an actual refundable credit. However, if they did, um, if they were to do the same thing with no income and and say they they had a business, but it's not a business if they haven't had a dollar transaction at least. So if a transaction hadn't happened and it's not a business, but they go out there with no income and they try to use a deduction and it does nothing for them because they didn't have any income, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Wow. Thank you so much. Yeah. You're welcome. Uh, that's good to know the difference now. <laughs> I, I, honestly, I, you know, until recently, I didn't think anything um, about taxes and all that stuff. I was like I said, you know, it can be confusing. I mean, there's so many different verbiages, that, you know, things that are applied in different ways. So thank you so much for breaking that down. You're welcome. Um, and you don't know what you don't know. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> um, Ruby, what do you think uh, would, that other people need to be educated about? So for like the next question, um, it's about, okay, so does the presidential campaign question on my tax return affect my refund? Um, good question. No, every, every person that I've sat in front of, um, when we filed a tax return, we asked that question and it never fails. The answer is no, 
They do not want to, to uh, participate in that because they think that either they uh, will take that $3 from their uh, refund or if they don't get a refund, then an additional three, $3 will be added to what they owe. And so that's not true. Um, if you answer that question, yes, that you would like to contribute to that um, presidential campaign, you're you're basically telling the IRS that you want them to send three dollars on behalf of you to the presidential campaign. So all you're saying is a dollar when the IRS get get every return they're looking and if that box is checked yes, they put three dollars aside for the presidential campaign and it does not not affect your tax refund or your tax anything at all. Oh, okay. That's that's interesting. Like you said, most of us would think that oh, I'm going to pay $3 from my refund money. But <laughs> right. um, I mean, if it doesn't affect you, <laughs> why not, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if I, under, if I understand correctly, Pam, and I know $3 is, you know, very little, right? But if you give $3 to the president, to basically to the president, then that doesn't lower your taxable income, right? And that doesn't give you a credit. And it, and it's it's neither of the two that we just talked about, the credits or the deductions. Does that sound right? Is that right? That's correct. It has absolutely zero effect on your tax return. It literally is informational for the IRS and it tells them how much they, out of all the tax returns they receive, it lets them know how, how many $3 uh, contributions they're going to be making. So they'll take your money, but you get nothing for it, basically. Well, the, it's not your money. They're giving it to the IRA. They're giving it to the presidential campaign. They're giving it, but are are you paying for that? No. Oh, you're not paying for that. No. So they, they have funds set aside. Uh, now, as far as the presidential campaign goes, there are, you know, other rules there. But from a perspective of a taxpayer, it doesn't affect us at all. So if my refund is $1,000 and I say, yes, I want you to send $3 to that campaign, they're going to send that $3 and I'm still going to get my $1,000. Mm -hmm. So it's the federal government giving the federal government's money back to the federal government. <laughs> you know, <laughs> listen, you know how that wow. goes. Okay. <laughs> Then why do we or or could it be the interest that people when they overpay, you know how we overpay <laughs> taxes to get those big refunds? Yeah. Who knows? You know, yeah, so that's interesting. Refunds. Every time I see that question when I do my taxes, it it intimidates me as like, am, am I showing support for the president? And I what am I doing? How am I labeling myself? You know, I was that that question always scared me. I don't know. It's funny. Uh, most people think they have, I dare give, how dare I give them my $3? Right, exactly. I, yeah. I, I, I'm trying to get money. I'm not trying to give them money. Uh, it's like, I'm barely getting enough back and you still want me to right. send you $3? $3? I've never had anyone check yes on there. And I always laugh because I'm like, you know, it's not going to affect your tax return. They're like, no. That's funny. <laughs> well, that was a great question then to clear that out for everybody, right? Oh yeah, and it's not it's I, it's never really talked about. So I, I yeah. you know, it's pretty cool that y'all asked that. 
Interesting. That's funny. I guess that's that's their tax strategy. But what are the other <laughs> strategies <laughs> for the next question? They got their strategy. What are our tax strategies that we can utilize? Oh, you know, and, and we're in the end of the year. Um, so a lot of people are really scrambling and getting together with their tax advisors or CPAs or tax professional um, in order to find, figure out strategies. And so you will definitely see this talked about a lot across social media. Um, but let me just explain what a tax strategy really is. And so all it really is, is you taking out time. And we suggest a lot of people will do this monthly. And it's bigger on the business owner side. And a lot of the misconception is, oh, I just, I'm just a wage earner. You know, I don't have to, I can't do strategies, but yes, you can, um, especially the high income earners. And uh, just a little touch on insurance, you know, if you're a little creative, even low income earners can take advantage of tax strategies when it comes to insurance, but we can talk about that later. But <laughs> strategies are a way to reduce your tax liability. Um, you're going to be taking advantage of all the deductions and credits that are out there that we talked about. Remember the difference between a deduction and a credit. So when you're strategizing, you're sitting back at minimum, we say do this every quarter. So every three months, or if you're one of those people who are really on top of it, you can do it monthly. But what you're doing is you're sitting back and you're looking at your financial picture and you're analyzing everything and you're saying, okay, well, the IRS tax code is this. If I do this, I can legally structure things properly and get my liabilities either either eliminated or lowered, extremely lowered. So when you're talking to someone, and usually if you're talking to someone like myself, who is a tax advisor, we're going to focus a lot on strategies. So, um, you know, if you're a business owner, of course, you need, you know, bottom line is you need to have your books in order because you can't strategize if you don't understand your numbers. If you're a wage earner, there's no need for bookkeeping, but there is a need for you to be budgeting and knowing, you know, what your financial picture looks like. So uh, I'll just throw a few examples out there. Uh, you may have seen people talk about uh, hire your children or the vehicle deduction. Maybe they said go and get uh, what's the big vehicle, the popular one that people. Let's see if y'all paying attention to social media. What uh, car do you see them telling you to get on social media? That's the one. Um, <laughs> is it the Range Rover? I think it's the Range Rover. I'm not sure. Oh, I've, I've seen people. I've seen people talk about go either purchase or charter like an airplane flight, take the yeah. airplane to somewhere you want to go, have a quick five minute business meeting talking about whatever. And all of a sudden it's a business expense. And well, you know what? And that's the thing. I'm not, I'm, I'm so happy you said that Gordon, because they're right, but it's so hard for me to put a stamp on something like that coming from social media, because if you say that and you're saying it to an audience that don't understand how to properly do it, mm -hmm. it becomes wrong. So it's correct when it's properly done, but it's wrong when you improperly do it. So, um, so let's just, so the vehicle just to be uh, general. So usually it's like over 6,000 pound vehicle and people go and get that car. 
I feel like it's a Range Rover, but I don't know what it is, but it's a popular car people like to go get at the end of the year. Um, but it's all, it's not always a smart thing to do. You really have to sit down and talk to someone um, to understand what strategies make sense for you. So even with the example that Gordon provided, um, right now, the end of the year, and this is something that, you know, if anybody's listening, this is really a free a free tip. Um, your, board of, your board of advisors, if you have an LLC or any business, list your family, everybody in the family, including the children, on your on your board of advisors and you go and take that trip and you have a meeting with your family about goals. Those the family don't have to, they don't have to do anything but participate in that meeting. And absolutely that trip is could be a write-off if everything's done properly. So you need to get with someone who can help you put that in place the correct way in order to truly take that deduction. But you absolutely can do that. And that is a perfect example of tax strategies. Wow. I, I got a question for you, Pam. So you mentioned hiring your children. I've been hearing a lot about hiring your children, you know. Um, and, and my my understanding is that if you have a business, you can hire your children, even if they're minors, you can pay them. I, I feel like it's like a $12,000 a year limit or something. I'm not sure what that limit was. I can't remember. But when you pay them that $12,000, you can say you can potentially put that money into some kind of a financial vehicle or insurance vehicle. And that money is tax-free because minors don't pay taxes or something like that. Is, does that, how does, does that sound right to you? Um, That's true. Um, that is very true. And so the, for 2023, the standard, so your key to understand how much you can pay someone tax-free like that, or your child tax-free, let's be specific. Um, the uh, maximum you can pay them is going to be 13,850 for 2023. Mm -hmm. So, um, that's another thing that you have to understand how to do it because it's a way to do it. So for example, if you, were to get off this podcast today and say, you know what? Pam confirmed that we can do 13850 13, per kid to write off our taxes. And then uh so I understand that, you know, each of you are in California. So I have to be careful here. I'm in Texas, so we don't have state taxes. So this is federal I'm speaking on. Um so you you still have taxes on your state that will affect you may possibly on the state side. On the federal side, you can do 13850 per child under 18 years old. If that child is over 18, we want to look at a different strategy, but there are strategies out there and you have to hi truly hire them. And there's a way to do it all. And um, and that's where I was speaking about the whether you were a high income earner or a low income earner, low income earners receive a lot of money when it comes to refunds because of earned income credit. So if you're looking, I'm talking about two different things. I'm sorry. I was going to go into the tax strategy. So, yeah. but we're still talking strategy. So if you take that 13,850 and let's just say you have three children, you're taking 13,850 from each kid. All you have to do is make sure that that child doesn't really matter how old the child is. Can they do the work? Can they successfully do the work you assign them to? Children are great with social media. Children mm -hmm. are great with text messaging. 
children are great with fouling and shredding. So you can find something that they're able to do and you can pay them for that, but it has to go to their bank account. You know, you have to truly hire them in your business and you can do it. But then there are some other things that has to be done on the back end that you'd have to talk to someone like myself to be able to successfully pull that off. But it is 100% doable. And there's a way to do it too if your children are grown. Mm, okay. So why don't we just say right now that for everybody viewing or anybody that might see this, this is not financial advice. None, none of this, like Pam said, don't just take what was said here and then go try to implement it without the right advisor. And what I'll do is I'll put Pam's link in the chat on the YouTube channel. So if you want to reach out, if you hear something that that you're like, dang, I need to figure out how to do that and I want to do it correctly, you can follow the link and reach out to Pam directly to get the right advice for your situation, for your state. Like she said, the three of us are in California, but she's in Texas. So you got to know the laws that apply to your, to your state mm -hmm. and to be able to do it correctly. And so I'll put the link in there. But uh, just as a disclaimer, right, none of this is financial advice. This is all <laughs> podcast. I guess you could say it's education or entertainment or we're sharing strategies. We're sharing examples, things like that. So I'll pass it back to Danny. Oh, thank you. Yeah, but I was going to say, but Pam said. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, thank you for all that information. I guess um, I I mean, I'm curious after that discussion, how many people are going to start hiring their children? <laughs> Seriously, like just based on all of the information, like, you know, and and I mean, you're not only based in Texas, are you like people in California can reach out to you and, and you can assist with with the, them as well. Right. Or absolutely. I'm virtual. So I work with everyone. I have some California um clients um currently okay awesome good to know um let's see what other questions do do you guys think that we have gordon you want to take the mic back or yeah we can do that let me see so we talked about credits versus deductions we talked about um giving our money to the to the president <laughs> talk about tax or giving the president's money to the president i should say yeah <laughs> um i wonder if that's just a creative way for them to reallocate funds back to the president i don't know that's interesting I'm well it's the presidential campaign so it's whoever campaigning for presidency so but, the next time we see a commercial, we're like, I paid three dollars to make the commercial happen. No, he's like, I told the IRS, I said, give them three dollars. Yeah, it's because of me that they were able to fund that. Exactly. <laughs> My approval. You pay a dollar for every ten seconds of the commercial. I'm sure it's more than that. Right. All right. So I got a question for you, Pan. So. Should I file tax returns even when not required? Mm. Oh, right. That's an excellent question. And I have an unpopular opinion. So if there's any other tax professional watching this podcast, many of them are going to disagree with me. How I'm used to people disagreeing with me, but my point was proven when COVID hit. Um, so my answer is yes. Everyone should file even when they don't have to. Um, okay. One reason is, uh, I get to give the example, unfortunately, 
uh, when everybody got their stimulus checks. And if, if you didn't experience it, you may have saw somebody experience that if they didn't file a tax return, then they had trouble. Uh, it was mainly the elderly, um, but they had trouble receiving their stimulus check and they had to go out there and file a return in order for the IRS to automatically send that stimulus check. Do you, any of y'all remember that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, had, had those people been filing a tax return, they would not have been scrambling all over the place trying to figure out how to get that deposit. So it, some people, it didn't affect, but a lot of people out there had to go out of their way in order to get into the system in order to get a stimulus check. Another example is of why you should file even when you don't uh, have to is identity theft. There's a lot of people out there filing tax returns on other people under other people's mm -hmm. name and social. So mm -hmm. in order to prevent people from getting refunds in your name that you don't know about, you file a tax return every year. I don't care if you don't make any money. Somebody has given you a dollar or something. We're supposed to report all of our money. You know, you maybe had a garage sale or something, but I don't care if you put a dollar as other income. You could easily get away with that. Your interest, if you got money in a bank, you probably earned 13 cents. Bump it up to a dollar interest, whatever. Okay. But file a tax return so that your okay. name and social are in the system and there's no way or, well, there's still a way, but at least you'll be alerted if someone's using your name and social. And another big point I want to bring up is a uh, statute of limitation and I can't think of the number of years right off, but if you've never filed a tax return, the IRS can go back as far as they want. So, you know, sometimes we forget things and maybe, you know, you got a 1099 lingering out there that you forgot about or that you wasn't even expecting, but it's out there, you know, and if you never filed it, the IRS can do what they want. But if you filed a tax return and it's so long ago that it's past the statute of limitations, then because you filed, you saved yourself from the IRS coming back to you from something happened that, that happened so long ago. Mm -hmm. So yes, everyone should file a tax return even when you don't have to. Okay. But uh, technically, what'd you say, Gordon? No, I, was gonna, I was just saying, it's like they say you don't mess with the IRS. Exactly. But the the true answer, if I had to take a test and answer it, the answer would be no, because the IRS tells you you don't have to file if under certain circumstances. However, it doesn't okay. hurt to file. So I suggest that everyone file a tax return. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's really good. So even if let's say um, you don't file a tax return because you didn't make any money, but then you go under somebody as a dependent. Mm -hmm. um, is that still something that that's valid? Like, Well, if you're a dependent, uh, if you're a dependent, then you're fine. But if you're not a dependent on a return and you're like not, fine, you should file. Okay. Yeah. Because that social is still being tracked. Yeah. Okay. I'm curious about like stay at home parents. You know, if if one of if one of the two of the couple is is the breadwinner, and the other one is like a full time stay at home parent, um, how would something like that work? Is it basic? Are you giving the same advice in the in that situation when it's well, just 
Uh, and I'm glad you brought that up because those are fouling statuses that a lot of people don't understand either. So even if you're a stay-at-home parent and you're married, you should be filing a married filing joint or a married filing separate return because your, your spouse is not your dependent ever. Um, so when even when the spouse don't have income and it's very it's a very common uh, point that's brought up, Gordon, I get people all the time that tell me, well, my spouse didn't work. I just want to carry her as a dependent and I have to let them know, well, no, they're not a dependent. They're going to be your spouse on the tax return. So even on that return, when they file married, file separate or married, file joint, their name and social is still being tracked for a tax return. Mm, interesting. Okay. That's really good to know. That's, that is really good to know. Regardless of any situation, always file your taxes. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah, that's keep them off your back. <laughs> I don't need nobody knocking on my door, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, you don't want no wage garnishments, none of that. Yeah, right. the IRS can, if they want to know, they can find out. Trust me. Nope. Yeah. We know. Oh. <laughs> um, let's see. Well, that was thank you for all the information on that. Um, mm -hmm. what else we got? Um, Ruby. Okay, so we have another question. Um, what is the difference between tax evasion and tax avoidance? Oh, wow, that's a really good question. So, yeah. so tax evasion um, and tax avoidance, let's see how I want to put it. <laughs> Got this girl. <laughs> you know, people go to jail behind taxes. And here's the misconception on that one. People don't want to, people will go years not filing a tax return because they feel that, oh, maybe I owe and I don't have the money, right? Um, you don't go to jail for not filing a return. You go to jail for not paying your taxes. So even when you can't afford to pay your tax liability, there are options out there that you could take to help you with that, but never not foul because you can't pay. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to start with that. So tax evasion is simply just lowering your liability through illegal methods. Um, so that's deliberately doing something that will cause you to either not owe or not have to pay as much so mm -hmm. you can liability came out to a thousand and you say oh throw this on there and now i only have to pay a hundred that's still tax evasion um tax tax avoidance although it sounds it still sounds bad but that's the legal thing to do tax avoidance is all is simply using your deductions and credits legally uh for example i have i went virtual and I now have a home, a, a room out of my home that is stri strictly for office use, right? So instead of leasing an office, I lease my office in my home to my business. And I so I created a deduction. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, if I had, if, if I had, um, 
just walked around my house and not really have a section for work or just sat at my table, but I used a couple of rooms in my house to take that deduction, then that will be tax evasion. Mm. Okay. Because I didn't follow the rules. So tax evasion is what gets you in trouble. Tax avoidance is what doesn't get you in trouble. There's no, it's saying, hey, I know the tax law and by law, this is what I can do. And this is what I did. And my liabilities are low because of it. You're good. Okay. Wow. Or it's like saying, I got Pam representing me, so I know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So tax, what if? tax avoidance kind of go, tax avoidance is a product of tax strategies that we spoke of earlier. Right. Okay. So right. what if, what if there's like a, a couple that um, they both have different professions, uh, but they're both working for from home and they're using one specific room for the office, just like you, like you were using a room for your office and it became a deductive um, on your taxes. But the wife and the husband share that same room as their own office, even though they're they're doing different things. Can they, they just each work out a, Yeah, they just work out a plan. So if Let's just say that that space that they're in, because you do have to, uh, one one due diligence that can be done is you reach out and you see what's the going rate for a 500 square feet office space, right? Mm -hmm. In your room just happens to be 500 square feet. Whatever that rate is, you kind of like a good, You it's good to go with that rate. So that husband and that's, that uh, couple, they just say, hey, this, uh, this room, if I were to go out and rent this space, it will cost $800. So between us, we pay $400 a piece because we're sharing it. Mm -hmm. okay. But even if one person, uh, sometimes now in a case like that, when you're dealing with couples, uh, you'll find a lot of advisors will, you know, they'll look at different scenarios, depending on the business, what strategies are already set up. One person with the business could take the office deduction, the home office deduction, and the mm -hmm. other just leave it alone and keep it simple. And it still work, will work out. But then it will take someone looking at different scenarios. And of course, you know, taking every quarter, going over what's available to them, what's possible. And just looking at the numbers will help you determine that too. All right. I was going to say, does like the income of the spouse would that affect who should take like more of more of the did you know? Um, well, it it just depends because you know perfect example if you if if that couple had children and they hired the children right, or if the spouse is a stay at home mom and they hired the they hired the spouse to um and they don't pay her but they pay her health insurance. There's a, that's a strategy. Um, it's so many different strategies out there between couples. It's crazy. And so it's just still uh, looking at the numbers and how your company is set up. So I would I would I wouldn't dare tell anyone, oh, well, just go do this because I don't know the whole financial picture. But if I know mm -hmm. the picture, then I can say, oh, well, this makes more sense. Mm -hmm. OK, awesome.
Well, thank you for that. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> um, so let's see. Like I guys know, uh, before we get off of tax evasion and avoidance, do you all know who was the most popular person who went to uh, prison for uh, for avoid uh, for tax evasion? Al Capone. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, yeah. And oh. They couldn't. They couldn't get Al Capone on any of the real stuff they wanted to get him on, so they got him on evasion. Wow. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, <laughs> wow. I, I mean, who would have thought? But yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. You think that you know, with he would have a tax advisor? <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> You want that gangster, huh? No. <laughs> Real gangsters pay their taxes. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. Real gangsters also um, you know, sell life insurance. <laughs> hey, <laughs> well, you go. Which is what we normally talk about. <laughs> life insurance is gangster. You hear it me? Is. <laughs> it is. It is. It is. <laughs> and the hustlers like Snoop Dogg. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that being said, why should we be concerned about taxes when it comes to life insurance? And I think this is like obviously going to be a great topic for all of us to provide. Yes, yes, yes. And I love it because um, it's, you know, when I gave y'all the backstory about how I got involved in um, I used to have some of a lot of my clients became real friends. So those clients I started off with 20 some odd years ago, they are still my clients today. Um, I, I work with mostly business owners now, but those core people just never left and they don't want to leave. And it's so funny because they would a couple of them will always laugh. We got close enough to talk about personal things. And they're like, they didn't see the connection between insurance and taxes and I would always let them know that there's a connection there. So the fact that uh, I don't, I know that each of you, um, uh, I know that you guys discuss and talk about IULs. And uh, for me, it's one of my main products. And although I sell other products, I really focus on IULs. So when it comes to taxes, um, and earlier I mentioned, um, that even your low income individuals and families can take advantage of an insurance product using your tax refunds. And so uh, when it, why taxes and insurance pretty much works hand in hand, because for one, um, especially speaking from an IUL perspective is loans are never taxable. It's just, it will never be taxable. Um, so the fact that there's a product out there that will allow you to leverage it. And so you're, you're allowed to leverage a, a insurance product, not be taxed on the actual money that you're taking to go out there and leverage, right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, it's a huge deal. And then on top of that, you're actually building something that won't be taxed when structured properly so why would it not go hand in hand 
why would it not? Why would it not when, and I'm going to tread lightly, uh, when we're looking at 401ks, Roth IRAs versus the, the rich man's Roth, sort of say. Why would, why would we, why would we be so open to discussing or agreeing with, uh, okay, so here, when you get hired on your job, the job will teach you how to retire. Based, they'll, when, when I say they'll teach you how to retire is they will promote contributing to the 401k, right? Correct. Right. But they don't promote how to retire when you get ready for retirement. And why do they do that? Well, because they get an incentive for you participating in that 401k. So I'm not saying that you shouldn't, you know, everybody should do what fits them, but just mm -hmm. think about it. So if you're not thinking about taxes while you're preparing for retirement, you're digging yourself a hole. And I see it every single year with my clients. So if I've been in business for 20 years, you better believe I've seen people retire. And when they retire, the first thing many of them do are two things. One, one of two things. They either go buy a car or they pay their house off. Never fails. Because in their mind, they're thinking, I've retired. I don't want to have to deal with bills. Let me pay everything off. But right. what they don't realize is when they take that money and pay this stuff off, they created a huge tax bill. Correct. Even with that huge tax bill, they also interfered with their retirement. Yeah, with their retirement income. It's double whammy, right? Right. Wow. Um, yeah. So in my eyes, taxes has a lot to do with insurance. Mm -hmm. We can't run from it, but we can leverage. We can leverage even for today, especially with inflation. If you're smart about retirement and saving or implementing a strategy, then you would take a look at a product like an IUL because you get to beat inflation with an IUL product. Mm -hmm. right. You can't do that with anything else. Yeah. Right. So that's and, you with insurance. Mic drop. <laughs> yeah. Round of applause. <laughs> Backing off of, you know, what you said about 401ks and, you know, even, even with those, there's early withdrawal penalties and, you know, yeah. you know IRS, you're still paying taxes. And a lot of people I've come to realize don't understand that with the 401k, when they go to, even if they are of retirement age, they don't, they didn't even know that their income was going to be taxed. Right. Like, they yeah. had all of this and then they're like, but where, where's the rest of it? And I'm like, oh yeah, well, Uncle Sam, our favorite uncle, <laughs> he's knocking on your door and he's taking your money. You know what I mean? And a lot yeah. of people don't realize that. That's, that's true. I was helping, I'm currently helping my brother purchase his first home. And exactly. of course, taking the money from his 401k. Um, and they call it a hardship when you take it out your 401k for the purchase of the house. But it has to be, you know, 
he's not really computer literate. So all of his paperwork, I'm sending over and, you know, getting everything done. And he calls me. So he requested 30,000 out of his, uh, that's what he was eligible for. I, I don't know how much is in there, but he was eligible to get 30,000 out of it. And I had the paper on my, oh, here it is right in my face. So just so you guys, I'm I'm being totally honest here. Oh, I thought it had the total amount he had in there. But anyway, he was eligible for the 30,000. So he's taking the 30,000 out, right? But they requested that he send over the contract for the house. So he had signed the purchase agreement, but we hadn't got to the contracting yet because he hadn't agreed. You know, we were waiting for inspection and all that. So he was just interested in the house at this point. So he's right. trying to get ahead of the game by taking out the 30000 Well, they deposit 4000 in his account. And he's calling me. He's like, hey, they only put 4000 in the account. And I said, well, they probably looked at the paperwork and saw that um, at this stage, he only had about three, a little, a little over 3000 that he was out of pocket for earnest money and all that, right? So... They looked at the paperwork, and although he requested 30, they gave him four. Wow. Now, imagine if he was pulling from an IUL. Would he have to go through that? No. <laughs> no credit checks, no monthly payment, no nothing. That's your money's in there. And, like, and I you have know, like, how much do you? So now, now you're buying a house. Now you have a budget that you don't want to go past on your mortgage. But you also have to calculate in how much you got to pay back out your check now because you took out this loan. Right. Wow. Do yeah. we have to do that with an IUL? No. And the other thing about that, too, is, I mean, even if he didn't take the loan from his 401k and he went to a bank, their interest rates are so high. And like right now, you know, we have a company that, you know, they're their interest rate is that once you know you calculate everything it's 0.91% and it's like bro it's it's mind blowing to me um you know the things that we're able to accomplish and you know with insurance there's so many tax codes IRS tax codes and guidelines around these products that you know that protect it from taxes yeah. and, and, like, and you know what um you know what people don't realize is um just like a 401k the um the IUL is nothing but a a tax code that's all it is right just like mm -hmm. 401k is just a tax code yeah oh boy we could dive really deep into this <laughs> yeah <laughs> I mean, we don't we don't have that much time left but we're definitely gonna have you back on Pam so Oh, thank you. We'll get into uh, we'll get into that uh, <laughs> another day. Um, let's see. Gee, you got any any uh, any ideas? Any questions? I mean, we're entrepreneurs, so do you have any questions about you know being an entrepreneur and business ownership or whatever that may be that you're curious about? Yeah. So specifically for entrepreneurs, um, you see a lot on social media regarding LLCs and S-Corps and, and how to be, you know, tax efficient when you're running your business, if you're just a solo entrepreneur. So 
when would it be appropriate? When do those fit best for entre entrepreneurs that are running their own business and maybe they're just a solo entrepreneur and they want to be as tax efficient as possible? Um, well, that is a good question, Gordon. Thank you so much for that because uh, one problem that I see is people wanting to, to elect S-Corp status. Um, so, so let's talk about it real quick. So, so um, a sole proprietor, so depending on the kind of business you're in, if it's a business that that is uh, where you're open to uh, lawsuits very easily, then you could, I would suggest you come out of the gate as an LLC or some sort, right? But mm -hmm. let's just say you, you just sell, you just sell, you just sell jewelry or, or you make, I don't know, belts. I don't, something simple like that. Um, be a sole proprietor, just get the money, just get, get transactions, have income and expenses. Because when it comes to business, people harp way too much on getting that LLC or that S corp or that corporation or that part partnership. Um, it's it's way too much focus for new business owners. Now, a seasoned business owner, you're you're probably LLC'd already. You definitely want to not go come out the gate as an S corp. And all S-Corp means is you're still an LLC. You just told the IRS, tax me as an S-Corp. What that means is now I have to be on payroll. You're required to put yourself on payroll when you elect S-Corp status. Hmm. The reason from our perspective, from a tax advisor perspective, to, to elect your S-Corp status is your net income. That means your income after, after your revenue comes in and you deduct your expenses, your income after that, if it's more than 30, 40, the lowest I go is 30. If I say around 50,000, that's when you want to start electing S-Corp status. If you elect it for anything lower, lower than 30,000, then you're just losing money. You're losing money because now you're paying someone to file that S-Corp tax return, which is the 1120S. Now you're required to put yourself on payroll. So you're paying payroll taxes that you really shouldn't be paying because you don't really make enough to be electing S corp status. Um, and then it, you're just creating bills at that point. But once you have a net profit of between 30, 50,000, that's when you start talking to someone about electing S corp status. And you can always, so if you were, if each of you were to go and pull your books now and look at your net profit right now, and you're seeing you're at a profit of about 40, 50,000, we can always elect to backdate that S-Corp status to the beginning of the year. And we would do, um, we would <clears throat> run payroll to make those numbers fit. So just because the year, the days has passed doesn't mean that you don't have time to fix it, but we can always go back as long as we're within the year, in that same year, we can go back and make corrections and recreate payroll in order for you to be in compliance with that S-Corp. Uh, most people uh, would not be electing corporation. That's a double tax situation. And it's rare that anybody would want to have a corporation, but there are reasons where people will want to create a corporation, but it is rare. So mm -hmm. most people have LLCs when it comes to partnerships. Uh, I always tell people to do your due diligence, check your partner. I 
don't like partnerships, but sometimes it's required. Um, but but it is perfectly fine to work as a sole proprietor. It's just as your income grow, go, as your income grows, is when you start to look at those other election statuses. Because an LLC, if you're a single member, you're still in the eyes of the IRS. You're still a sole proprietor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I think there's there's like a there's a misconception that's all over social media that when you transition from a sole proprietor to an LLC, you're saving on taxes somehow. And my understanding is that that doesn't affect it doesn't affect your tax at all. An LLC you're going to get taxed no matter what. Exactly, an LLC. uh, If it's a single member, if it's uh, more than one member, it becomes partnership. But if a single member LLC is the same thing as a sole proprietor, both of them goes on a Schedule C on a tax return. There's nothing treated differently. Mm-hmm. There's absolutely zero tax savings from going from a sole prop to an LLC. It, it mostly protects your personal assets from, like, as you said, from lawsuit and things like that. Not It's not so much a tax strategy. Exactly. It's definitely not a tax strategy at all. And when you have that LLC, you want to be uh, careful to not co-mingle your, uh, your money because when you co-mingle, you kind of avoid that protection. So if you have personal and business accounts, but you're spending out of your business, all of your personal and just, just spending, mm-hmm. uh, you, you actually put yourself in position to avoid that protection of that LLC. Wow. Well, there you go. Yeah, thank you so much, man. Wow. That was a lot of complicated vocabulary in that one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I know I know the basics. I know the basics. But We're gonna yeah. have to put together a, a Pamela Ferguson dictionary or something like that. <laughs> um yeah. So well, thank you for elaborating. So I, not just on that, but so much on on all of the questions that we've had to ask. Um, I guess there's one last thing that we've heard about for new business requirements for entities. And it's like a new act that got passed. Have you yes, heard of it? Obviously, you, prob- you have to have heard of it. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> um, what is it? Like, um, how does it work? Why did they enforce a new act on taxes, I guess, or for business? They did it. Um, a simple answer is fraud protection. So it's CTA. That's the abbreviated, um, that's the abbreviation for it is corporate transparency act. Uh, it was actually passed in 2021. And it requires corporations, LLCs, business, all business entities. They have to file with the um, Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, which is abbreviated as FinCEN. I don't know if you guys ever heard of that, but you will be seeing it across social media because everybody's talking about it. But so when you see FinCEN, know that they're probably addressing that CTA, which is the Corporate Transparency Act. Um, And it was passed because it was the government's way to uh, really just crack down on the corruption, uh, money laundering, uh, 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 terrorist financing, tax fraud, and whatever whatever other illegal activity that goes on out there. Um, So another thing that you'll see advertised across social media is shell companies. 
And um, so that's part of the tax fraud and uh, just fraudulent things that's going on out there. So if you see anybody talking about shell companies, run, you know, because they're probably doing something illegal. Um, but that's why it was passed. And the focus is on small, smaller businesses, because we're the ones who have a little bit of more leeway to do those fraudulent activities. Um, and um, we're exempt from Trump, uh, from the from how Trump publicly traded companies are viewed, sort of say, and we're not as regulated. So any company that has more than 20 full-time employees um, and, and, and in the IRS eyes, full-time employees means 30 hours a week um, or 130 hours a month. So it's not necessarily 40 hours when we talk about full-time, when we're talking about paycheck, but it's literally 30 hours considers you full-time um if you have a physical presence um at a business in the u.s and you're filing a federal tax return or information return such as an 1120s any business return your 1120s your uh your 1065 1120s is for your s corp 1065 is for your partnership and 990 is your nonprofits. um and 1120 is for your corporations. Those returns are considered informational returns. Mm -hmm. um, so the returns, so any filings of your, your federal tax return or an information return uh, showing more than uh, 5 million in gross receipts or sales, uh, that's, that's their primary focus. Um, okay. but everyone has to file. So that's just kind of giving you their focus, but every, they expect to see every person that has an entity to file the violation for not filing. You have until if you created your entity prior to January 1st of 2024. So every business that's created out there up until December 31st has to file by January before January 1st, 2025. Okay. Um, so you have time to get it filed. If you don't file it, the violation is $500 a day maxed out at 10,000. So you no. may have a penalty up to 10,000 for not filing this or up to two years imprisonment. Um, every small business that is not a sole proprietor or a general partnership will have to file that CTA. Um, that's just a brief overview of it. Um, even with filing it, uh, even if you file your initial and there are changes made with your business, you have to go and update those changes. So uh, I don't know yet, but I'm thinking, you know, a lot of people used to be able to hide behind LLCs. Now people are going to be able to know who that owner is. Right. So there's a, it's a lot. Um, I just gave a brief overview of it, but uh, bottom line is you want to make sure if you have an LLC or um, an S Corp or whatever type of business you own, you definitely want to get that filed. Okay. Good to know. Thank you. Everyone, so. Yeah. And you said if it was on or before the 1st of January 2025. 20 yeah. 
So it's exactly like a year. Mm -hmm. So there's not like a deadline. It just has to be done before that date that you started your LLC or your S Corp or entity. Yeah. And I may have to come back and correct myself on it. That's just how new it is. <laughs> but um, just just my suggestion to anyone with a business, just file it. As right. Soon as you can. So I, I will probably uh, many, not all states, but a lot of states have a franchise tax return that they have to file. Go ahead and knock out that, that CTA too. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you. Yeah. Um, anybody have any other questions? I mean, I think that we're a little bit over time. Um, I personally gained so much information. Thank you so much, Pam, for joining us, for providing us with mic drops and my, my mind's exploding with tax information. I mean, think about taxes all day. <laughs> <laughs> But, um, yeah, I just, um, I thank you so much for being here. We will definitely plan, um, another get together for us, um, so that you can come back on because I'm definitely sure that people are just as much as we did going to gain, um, a lot of information from everything that you had to share. So we were gr so grateful to have you, um, you guys have any other comments that you'd like to add or... Uh, well, I want to say thank you as well to Pam. Um, you're such an amazing person, so professional, so educated, and you are an amazing woman. Um, I'm so happy to have you with us. This episode, it was extremely great. I loved it. I myself also got a lot of good, valuable information, and I hope the rest of the people did as well. Um, so it was great having you with us. Thank you. Thank you. I truly appreciate it. You guys were very welcoming, very comfortable platform to be on. And thank you so much for having me. I had a great time. Yeah, thank, thank you. you so much, Pam. Pam, can you share where people can find you online? I know in the YouTube chat, I posted your link um, to, I think it's your, what is it? Your uh, link.bio. Link.bio. Yeah, exactly. So is that a good place where people can find you? Yes, the link.bio lists out literally everything, every service that we offer. Um, mm. So we're not, we're kind of like boutique type style firm where we offer different services pertaining to what you need uh, specifically. Uh, so that link will help you find us. We are in the middle of revamping the website. So I, that's why I don't have a specific website. Uh, we're cleaning that up. And on all across social media, uh, you definitely can find me by using Pamela at Pajako, P-A-J-A-K-O. Perfect. Yeah. No, thank you so much. I learned so much and and I, I hope people got value from this. And like you said, if regardless of what state they're in, they should reach out because you might be able to help them out. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I will definitely be able to help them out. And if anybody, uh, I, you know what? I got a free gift I can give out. I'll give out a, um, I have a spreadsheet. Uh, well, not a spreadsheet. I have a copy of the, of a, um, oh, two things. I have a copy of a Schedule C that you can literally take to your preparer, your CPA, whoever you work with on taxes. Um, and you can, you can take that to them and it got different, it has different strategies 
listed on there per line on how you can save. Um, so that that's a great I, what I work with Danny and the team, Gordon, Ruby, either of you, um, I'll, I'll email it to you guys where you can get it out to your people if they request it. Uh, another thing is if you go to Amazon, um, there's a book, an ebook that if you can download it for free, actually. And it's really a fun read. I, I wrote it uh, for strategies, but I had fun with it. So you'll find it's not your average text talk in that book. It's going to give you strategies, but I play a lot. You know, I like to laugh. <laughs> so um, if you go and get that book, you can actually download it and then it cost you a thing. Um, and I, it's called, um, it's called uh, Tax Strategies. I can't believe I can't think of the name of my book, Strategies with Pamela Ferguson, something like that. Guys, I wrote it a few years ago. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yeah, that. but the point is it's a free download. So if you go there, you can actually get it for free. Okay, perfect. Um, I'll, I'll be downloading it myself. <laughs> yeah, me too. All yeah, right. I just found it. It's a oh, conversation, conversations with the tax strategist. That's it. Conversations, conversations with the tax strategist. I could not think of the name of that book. That's so embarrassing. Yeah, you can get you <laughs> can get it on your Kindle, so you can you can read it on your iPad or on your iPhone or or any mobile device for you know on Kindle. So yeah, very cool. Well, it's a safe face, guys. I'm not a true author, so uh, that's why I couldn't remember. It's just something I wanted to try, and I did it. So <laughs> that's just, great. Uh, you're providing more value. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we love to see it. All right. Well, um, as once again, I appreciate everybody's being here. I hope that anybody watching or who does come through and watch gains as much education as we did. Um, we appreciate your time, Pam. Um, I am unaware as to if we are going to be live on the 28th, considering that is the week between Christmas and New Year's. We will have to confirm that with you another time. But until then, we hope to see you guys again soon. And as always, we wish you well.